Is that your story? Because that's my story. Let's pray together. Father, we have tasted and seen that you are good, inestimably good. And you say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we've come here this morning to say so, to say that you are good, to say that we were worse off than we thought and more loved than we ever dreamed. And this good news continues to redeem our lives and you continue to transform us through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit who lives not just around us but in us. And so, Father, we give you thanks. And we say with Peter so many years ago, Lord, where else could we go? You alone have the words of life, life-giving God. You gave us life when we were born, and you give us life every day. And 23,000 breaths a day, Lord, we breathe. And every one of them comes from you. So every word from our mouths belongs to you. And we bless you. We stand up and bless the Lord today because you have blessed us more than we could have imagined. And yes, we are grateful. This is our story. You have been so, so good to us. And we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Please be seated. Sean Acor, a psychologist at Harvard, ran a study in which he asked people to become more grateful, to train their brains to become more grateful by setting aside five minutes a day, in which five minutes a day, same time every day, they would thank God for three specific things. Like, I'm thankful for the delicious Thai takeout dinner I had last night, or I'm thankful that my daughter gave me a hug. Let all the dads of daughters say amen. Or I'm thankful that my boss complimented my work. For me, I'm thankful that I got to speak last night to the Telugu Christian Fellowship, fastest growing language in our country right now. Telugu, it's a, it's a language, a dialect from India. And in our church, we have members who are part of that fellowship. Numerous churches gathered. They asked me to come and speak last night, and I'm thankful for that. And I tried to put this in practice this week, and I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing, to take five minutes at the same time every day and three specific things. Thank God for those things. And here's what they found with that study, that the people who even did it for one week, even if they stopped at the end of the week, those people at the end of a month, were happier, less depressed. They checked after three months, six months. These people's anxiety was down. And truthfully, as they did this, five minutes a day, same time every day, three things, it reprogrammed their minds so that they began to realize how good God had been to them. And they found themselves searching for good in their lives. In the scriptures, David not only knew the right way to give thanks, but he showed us the way. In fact, he mentions five specific things. So if you're sitting there thinking, I can't think of five things that I'm grateful for, or three things that I'm grateful for. David gives you five things that God has done, 
And he thanks God for those things in Psalm 103, one of the great testimonies of thanksgiving in all the Bible. Would you open your Bibles with me? Psalm 103. We share together the Word of God. So before we come to the Lord's table, we'll come singing in a few moments. And before we come, I just want to give you a reason from God's Word that you and I can give thanks to God. Let's stand together in reverence for God and His Word. Where David, in his latter years, we believe, reflecting back on all that God had done for him, said, Praise the Lord, my soul. All that is in me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we are dust. The life of mortals is like the grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord established his throne in the heavens his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding and obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. David sang, and when David sang, David sang with his soul. He sang with his whole soul. 
And if you ask me why David was able to write all of these beautiful hymns, these beautiful psalms in the hymn book of the Old Testament, how was he able to do that and sing with his whole soul? I would say David was able to sing with his whole soul because his soul had been made whole. And maybe it's only those whose souls have been made whole by the grace of God who can praise Him with our whole souls. Maybe it's only when we begin to thank right, like my friend John Huggins, that we can ever begin to think rightly about life. And David shows us this picture of gratitude in which he, he says, these are the reasons that I thank God. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. And perhaps we are not able to give thanks to God. Maybe we can't think of three things in part because we're not finally satisfied with what God has done for us. So when I stand up and say God is good, you might be more honest in saying, well, some of the time, every once in a while, instead of all the time, all the time, God is good. What did David know that we need to know? Because in our age of anxiety, we are fraught with many things. My friends in the mental health profession tell me it used to be about depression. There were so many people who were depressed, but these days there's just this underlying anxiety. Even in the youngest people in our culture, there's this deep anxiety, this feeling, I'm not going to get it all done. I'm not going to accomplish my dreams. It's not going to happen for me. And as an antidote to that anxiety, I offer to you this practice of thanksgiving, I challenge you this week to take five minutes a day at the same time each day, three specific things. And if you can't think of anything else, let's just start here. He forgives all of our sins. So if we start with that, we would just say, we sing with our whole souls. We sing with our whole souls because God forgives us compassionately. So what is David's soul? It, it's his inner being. It's in that parallelism in those first couple of verses. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. He's saying, my soul is all my inmost being. And he may make us a little uncomfortable. When people start talking to themselves, we get a little nervous about that. I've said to you before, I kind of walk along the bayou and run along the bayou and I talk to the Lord and I sing to the Lord and I recite scripture over and over again to the Lord. That's where I memorize scripture as I'm jogging along and walking along. And I never know what people think when they run into me. I don't know if I should care about it, but if your friends come to you and go, your preacher's kind of off because he's out there kind of talking to himself. I was thinking about that guy and they asked him, why do you talk to yourself? And he said, because I, I like, I like to hear intelligent people speak. And I like to talk to intelligent people, so I talk to myself. Well, that's not my story, but maybe David could say, I like to, to tell my soul to sing because the Lord has made my soul whole. And it's not just that I have to sing. It's that God has given me 
a song. It's a song of redemption. It's a song of grace. It's a song of forgiveness. It's a song that nobody can ever take away. David knows. Think about this later in his life. The whole Bathsheba debacle. The murder of Uriah. And to think that God had forgiven him of all of his sins made him give thanks to God. He forgives all our sins. Why does he thank God? Because he says in those first verses, God is holy. That means God is other. He's different. How is God different? Well, here's one way, as he says in verses 8 to 12. It turns out God's not a scorekeeper. He's not a sort of almighty actuary who's up there tabulating your sins so that at just the right moment, strategically, he might hit you with a lightning bolt. And as long as you and I have this image of God as always angry at us, we're never going to be able to love him as he wants us to with hearts wide open because of his goodness. You may remember your sins. You may have a, a permanent memory. You, you may say, well, God's forgiven me of 95% of my sins, but I know there's that one sin or those two or those three, and you live with this, this dreadful fear that somebody's going to find out about your sin because it turns out in the news these days a lot of people's sins are being confessed by other people, and you begin to realize, what if somebody knew this about me? Can I ask you, what if God knew everything about you? What if he had you in the palm of his hand? What would he do to you? And the answer is, he would love you. Because this is who our God is. So he says, uh, he's, he's not always going to be angry with us. He's not always going to accuse us. Satan is the accuser. God is the lover of our souls who forgives us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, he says. He, he doesn't repay us for our iniquities. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. And his kindness leads us to repentance. When we realize how much God loves us, we don't want to sin anymore. We want to walk with him because it turns out, if you ask me, so how great is God's love for us? Well, he, he gives us the cosmic proportions. I was reading about the star. You can read about it that's closest to our sun. It's 4.2 light years away. Doesn't sound that far, does it? Uh, this, this star, 4.2, it's uh, in the Alpha Centauri system. They just discovered it like in 1917. It's not a big star, but it's closer. It's 4.2 light years. What that means is, you know this, you who are uh, astronomers understand, that means that the light we see when we look up in the sky, and if we could see that star tonight, probably through a telescope, and we saw the light, we would know that light started coming our way. The light you see started coming our way four years two months and ten days ago. How far away is it? Well, it's um, 25 trillion miles. So that's 25 with 12 zeros after it. It's a lot of zeros, a lot of miles. If we could get there as fast as we could with the fastest transportation known to humankind, how long would it take us to get to that closest star? Yeah, 81,000 years. We'd never get there. Now imagine God putting our sins that far away from us, but it's farther still, as high as the heavens, not just the closest star, but as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his 
love for us. I love Max Licato's story about his four-year-old who wrote on the wall with crayon again. And when she was caught, she confessed, and he said, and what does daddy do usually when you write on the wall with crayon? Spank, she said. And what do you want daddy to do this time? And she said, love. (laughs) Don't spank, love. Well, the good news about our God is he's the God who loves us, and so he forgives us compassionately, and we sing with our whole souls. And second, We sing with our whole souls because God is the kind of God who not only forgives us out of his well of compassion, but he's the God who forgives us completely. I love that word, forgives all your sins. Aren't you glad it doesn't say some? All your sins. God is the God who forgives all your sins. In fact, not only as high as the heavens are above the earth, but he says, as far as the east is from the west. Every time I leave Louisiana, and I love to leave Louisiana. I'm sorry for those of you from Louisiana. But, I, but I, every time I leave Louisiana, and I come into the state of Texas, and I see that sign, and it says, El Paso, 867 Miles. That's a, is that a long way? That seems like a long way across Texas. Well, what if you went from the north, from the panhandle, up where I was born, all the way down to the valley? That's 801 miles. It's a, a big state. If God just put our sins as far as Beaumont is from El Paso, that'd be a long way, right? We'd never find them there. And notice even to say from the east to the west, we have to put our arms in this configuration of a cross. That's how God is able to forgive our sins. That's how he's able to fill our hearts with a song because he's the God who puts our sins away from us and he promises us that God loves us the way a father loves his children. God's infinite love is enough to forgive us of all of our sins. And he goes on to say, and he heals all of your diseases. And somebody said, wait a minute. I've got a friend who has a disease, and we've been praying because a week ago today, we made our way up to Memorial City, and a lot of you were already there surrounding the O'Quinn family. Susan went into the hospital early last Sunday morning, and, and we kept vigil with them there, and we prayed, and they had her hooked up to life support. And eventually the doctor came out and said, she can't survive. And we kept praying and pleading with God to give her life again, to give her one more breath, to let her live again and love her husband, Jimmy, and their four beautiful daughters. And we prayed and we prayed. And there came that moment when this week she went home to be with the Lord. And our hearts were broken for them. But last service, Jimmy O'Quinn And his daughter sat right over here. And Lydia came up here with him. And he walked to that microphone. And he thanked God for the life of his wife. And he thanked God for a church that filled literally not just the chairs in intensive care waiting. The doctor said she never seen anything like it. Because every time I came out of that elevator and made a right, I just ran into a mob of people 
lining the floors in little clusters, friends among our young single adults there to support Kelly, other friends of Jimmy's and Susan's, those whose children had been taught to sing by Jimmy, others who had been loved in a local elementary school by Susan who had so much patience with children. And I just watched all of this. And as a pastor, I was so grateful of all the things I thank God for today. I thank God for you. And I wish that she had been healed here. But I know this for sure, that ultimately, even when God heals us of one thing here, ultimately, the final healing is to be in the presence of God, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And Paul says to the Philippians, do we really believe this when he says this? Better by far. In other words, our loved ones, like my mom, who a little over a year ago went home to be with the Lord, if she could Would she come back here knowing what she knows now in the presence of the God who knows her best and loves her most? Would she come back here? And it's hard for us. How do we ever say goodbye? How do we ever release those whom we love? And yesterday, Roy Stolting, 96 years young, he fought in World War II and the Korean conflict. And we think about him, we think, what a great long life he lived, surrounded by his family. And we don't know how long somebody will live. What we do know for sure is that our God is the God who forgives and who heals and who redeems life from the pit so we don't have to live separated from him. And this God invites us to know him and to love him and to receive his grace so he crowns us in his presence with life, the New Testament says. He crowns us with righteousness And this crown is for all who are longing for his appearing. Is that you? You waiting on God? Yet God is waiting on us to love him and to thank him. He's ready for us to know him the way he really is. And I think about the great writer Rudyard Kipling who wrote Jungle Book and all of that and Somebody calculated in his lifetime all the books he had written and all the money he had made for all the, the words he had written. They figured that his words were worth $100 for every word he published. A reporter found out about that, went up to him, pulled out a $100 bill and said, hey, I hear your words are worth $100 a piece. Here's $100. Give me one of your best words. Rudyard Kipling took the $100 bill, folded it, put it in his pocket and said, Thanks. Well, thanks is a good word. It's worth more than $100. It's worth more than we can imagine. And today, I want you to come to the table thanking God. So listen closely to my instructions. You come to the table that's closest to you. You move toward the middle of the room. Make a loop. Come and receive the bread and the cup and take them back. Because Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, before he broke the bread, before he gave the cup... He gave thanks. And he knew what the bread and the cup meant. He knew it meant his body was going to be broken. He knew his blood was going to be shed. His life was going to be lost. And he gave thanks. So shouldn't we today, as the early Christians called this supper, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, shouldn't we give thanks for all that he has done for us?